Today we're closing our series on the fact that we are here to leave a legacy. And I know we say that, we've said that every week for five weeks. But our lives are not just a, an occurrence in time that starts and finish. We start and we go on for eternity. Bible says to be absent from the from our flesh here on earth, the body is to be present with the Lord. There's a, a time when we're all going to, in some way, pass away and we're going to go on for eternity. But we will still leave a footprint here on earth. Our lives will still have made a difference in the lives of other people. Some people, you can think of their name and you can think of the incredible good that they've done and other people, you can think it would have been far better if, if they'd not lived at all because the world is certainly isn't a better place because they were on the planet. <laughs> but as for us, we want to be people who leave a good taste in people's mouths. That hearts swell when they say our name. Not because we want to be proud or arrogant, or, hey, look what I've done, but because we are here to influence other people's lives with the love and the goodness of God. Today, I want to I close off the series. We've, we've spoken over the weeks about we're here to live beyond ourselves. We've talked about the fact that we are to have a financial impact in the world, that we are to have a serving impact. Pastor Sally preached on serving people and having a servant's heart, and we're here to give of ourselves into other people's lives. We've, we've seen about how we are to build other people's lives, and, and we looked at Elisha and the sons of the prophets, and the sons of the prophets had so caught the spirit of Elisha. You know, Elisha said to Elijah, I want twice what you've got, and he said, you've asked a hard thing. It wasn't hard for God to give it. That would have been tough for Elisha to carry it. I mean, Elijah was just incredible. And Elisha said, I want twice what you got. And he's going, wow, do you realize what that's going to do for you personally? The price you've got to pay, the, the prayer you've got to put in, the, the abandonment to God that you've got to have. This is not a performance. This is a life. <laughs> And then the sons of, of the prophet said to Elisha, we love where we've been hanging out with you, but we're thinking bigger than you're thinking, Elisha. This is too small for us. And I love the fact, you know, Tim said earlier that those kids, here are the future leaders of our generation. And it's my heart and it's my prayer that those kids, but for all of us to say to me and to say to other people, we want twice what you've got. We want to do twice what you've done. That's not a problem. That's a joy. That's a joy. And that's what those sons of the prophet said to Elisha. <laughs> but today we want to talk about probably the most important thing at the very heart of what this is all about. Today I'm speaking on the greatest gift. The greatest gift. The single greatest gift a Christian can give to somebody is an introduction to the God who created them. 
the God who loves them and has a purpose for their lives. Nothing else comes close. Nothing else comes close. We've talked about the fact that we want to leave an inheritance. What does that mean? We want to leave a house or we want to leave a, you know, some uh, jewelry or pass down the watch that's been from father to son, father to son, or, the, or perhaps the bracelet or the ring. We want, we want to pass these things on. But can I say nothing comes close to the single greatest gift that anybody can give to anybody, and that is an introduction to the Saviour. An introduction to Jesus Christ. We sang earlier, and it's the heartbeat of today. Our world needs Jesus. As I was sitting here last night, just praying, I was in my office, came down here, just praying, and just really believing God for, for there to be a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives today. A work of transformation on the inside. We're going to turn to uh, the ninth chapter of Matthew from verse 35 all the way through to chapter 10, verse 15. Let's read this together today. Then Jesus went about all the cities, the villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and they were scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are just a few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now here are the names of the 12 apostles of these. First Simon, called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus and Lebius, uh, uh, whose surname was Thaddeus. And Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Sending out the 12, here we go. These 12 Jesus sent out, and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles. Do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, you are to preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the... Le are we getting this? Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver, copper in your... Uh, for cash from um, honey belts, nor a bag for your journey. Don't take two tunics or sandals or staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food. Now, whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy and stay there until you leave. And when you go out into a household, greet the household. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. If it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house or city, shake the dust off your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom or Gomorrah in that day, sorry, than in the day of judgment than for that city. 
There is so much in that passage that is absolutely jammed with the, with the plan of salvation. We find in there Jesus' love for people, his absolute compassion for his creation. We find a glimpse of the great harvest. The fields are white under harvest. We find the power of the gospel at work with signs and wonders. This is not an impotent gospel. We find the power of prayer. Everything's in this passage. We find the sending out of disciples, the apostles, but the disciples to change the world. And we find the reality of eternity. All of that in that short little passage. I've got five things to say today. And again, it's my prayer that we don't just hear a sermon. We don't just hear a good message. That the work of the Holy Spirit is powerful in us today. Number one, if we're going to turn our world upside down and understand that people need Jesus, that the world needs Jesus, the first thing, we find it in this passage, and it's my prayer that we find it in Citygate Church, is this. Number one, that we hear their cry. The Bible speaks a number of times about people who are moved with compassion. They see the crowds and they don't just see what everybody else sees. They look past what they see with these eyes and they look into the state of the human heart. And they see into the, into the reality of what is going on in the world. It's so easy to walk through life with the blinkers on. It's so easy to walk through life and just see what's happening at Venue 28 last night. There was a party, there was a reception, and I, I just nipped in at the end, and everybody having a great time, and it was a great success, and it, and it was a great time, and it was wonderful, and oh, wow, what a success that was, and what a, what a great night, and wow, and just everybody's so happy, and yet we've got to look past what people see on the outside and see what's going on on the inside. There's a time in Exodus where... There's a man who 40 years earlier had killed a couple of Egyptians and he'd, he'd escaped out into the desert and for 40 years had wandered around keeping sheep with his father-in-law Jethro. We all know who we're talking about, Moses. And he was out there not particularly thinking, today I'm going to become a world changer. Today I'm stepping into my destiny. He wasn't praying for open doors of favor. He wasn't believing God for greater anointing upon his life. He wasn't stirring himself up to get out there and be all that he could be. He was keeping sheep in a desert because he was wanted for murder. And he walked past a tree that was burning. That was on fire. And the first thing that tells me is God turned up in the most powerful way he could and said, this is what I'm burning up for. This is what sets me on fire. This is what God is saying. And, and, and it says that the bush speaks, God speaks to him out of the burning bush. He says, take off your, 
um, sandals off your feet because where you are is holy ground. There is nothing more holy than when we talk about the plan of salvation for lost people. There's nothing more holy than that because that's the very heartbeat of God. God starts to speak and I'm not going to read all the verses and I'd encourage you to from verse 1 down to verse 10. God says, I've heard the cry of my people. I've heard that, he says it twice, I can, I've heard their cry. Their cry has come up to me. I don't know about you, I'm not hearing much with these ears, but I'm certainly hearing something on the inside. See, people are looking for peace in the midst of a chaotic world. They're trying to find some kind of hope in an environment where they're just scraping through life. All sorts of stuff on TV now of just, just such incredible superficiality. Trying in some way to grasp some meaning for their existence. Today, I certainly don't want today to be heavy, but I want it to be profound and I want it to be life-changing. The Bible talks about the blood of the Lamb. Talks about the fact that Christ came to save lives. The blood of Jesus Christ has the power to cleanse and to heal and to take away the sin of the world. That is the heartbeat of God. That's the heartbeat. There's a cry coming out from people's hearts and they don't know how to articulate it. But if they knew how to articulate it, they would be shouting this, save me. Save me. We can all read our history books of some incredible moves of the church across the generations and some people have seen people in the sea drowning, shouting, save me. Other people have seen people, you know, in different environments, but the, but the, the, the heart and the, and, the, um, and, the, and the dream or the vision of what God shows is always the same, that people need a saviour. And they're crying out for some kind of answers in their lives. It's my prayer today as we close this service that we are going to be leaving a legacy that we hear the cry of our world. Number two, that we share their pain. That we share their pain. Everywhere Jesus went, he identified with people. Everywhere he went, he didn't judge them, he didn't condemn them, he didn't criticize them. The only people that he pointed a finger at, other than to cast out a demon, were the religious hypocrites who loved to be seen praying on the street corners, wearing their Sunday best, but weren't actually doing anything to reach people. He said, you keep people out of the kingdom of God instead of bring them in. That's what Jesus said 
to the people with the responsibility of turning the world upside down. He said, you're not doing your job. You're keeping people out rather than bringing people in. And, and uh, you know, I, I want to open my life up to God and say, God, is there anything in me which is keeping people out rather than bringing people in? Is there anything in me? Is it, is it the way I'm grumpy to that, to the, you know, the, the person in Costa? Is that keeping them out of the kingdom? I will just justify that. I was in Costa the other day and I had a wonderful chat with the two baristas and I thought, oh, if only I had something to give them. And I thought, I've given away all of my Vision 18 magazine. I have a pile in my car. So I jumped in my car. I drove all the way home again, ran through the door and grabbed another pile because I've got a stockpile at home. And I picked up another pile, threw them in the back of the car, went all the way back, parked up again, went back in and ah, smiled at them. And they looked at me why I was back, because we've been talking, I'd shown them on YouTube. You can do so much in a conversation, not hammering people, just being normal. And they were asking, oh, wow, this is amazing. One was a, um, of a you know, different faith, and he was asking me what the difference is between this and that. Genuine conversations. Not throwing the Bible at people. Dear God, don't do that. They said, ah. You're the one who's keeping people out rather than getting people in. Hello being that weird Christian on the Monday morning, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> and I said, oh, I just, I just, you know, thought I'd love to give you, oh, fantastic. And I said, in fact, here's two, because one was around the back doing the washing up or whatever he's doing. I said, there's two, one for your mate. Anyway, I went back in a couple of days later and, you know, the one that had been around the back that I hadn't spoken to again, so I was thinking, I wonder if the guy passed on. I said, did you get things? Oh, yeah, read it all. Amazing. Great stuff in there. He said, when, when can I come? I said, oh, easy, easy. Well, you can come. Didn't invite him today. I said, come to our summer Sundays. 10.30 in the morning. It's all on the website. In fact, it's just so easy. It's just, it's just conversation. I'm going ahead of myself. Share their pain. Everywhere Jesus went, Jesus identified with people. There's a passage. I don't know if I want to read this passage but it's in the Bible, so if I don't, I'm being a little bit sort of, well, let's leave some bits out. If this was Christ, it would be easier to hear, but it's not. It's the Apostle Paul saying this, okay, which, is, which, is, which makes it a lot harder to hear what I'm about to read. I don't want today to be a tough day. Romans 9, I didn't put it up here because I want you to just listen to me. This is the Apostle Paul identifying with his people. O oh Israel, my people. O oh my Jewish brothers, how I long for you to come to Christ. My heart is heavy within me and I grieve day and night because of you. Christ knows and the Holy Spirit knows that it is no mere pretense when I say this, that I would be willing to be damned forever if that would save you. Oh. <laughs> if Christ said that, we'd go, yeah. He went to the cross to save us. But that was another man saying, this is no pretense. God knows, the Holy Spirit knows what I'm saying I would gladly be damned for eternity if it would meant you got saved. 
What an amazing, amazing, amazing verse. That is so challenging to me. I, I can't pretend to say, yep, that's me. I'm not, I, can't, I can't pretend to say that for myself. But it's my prayer that we have an understanding of the pain that people are going through and that we're prepared to do something about it. Let us not invent a gospel which ensures our comfort whilst ignores the pain of others. We heard, in, over our 21 years as a church, we've probably had three or four life-changing, church-changing uh, sermons here by guest speakers. Life-changing, transforming, church has never been the same again. And one was this, and I want to find it and try to make it available to the church, where we had Dr. Richard Perrinchief come in and he talked about, roll up your sleeves, drop your rocks, and show your scars. One of the most incredible messages I've ever heard in my life about identifying with people in the community. So number two, we need to share the pain of people. We need to identify with people. I used to really struggle with that many years ago when I first got saved and I understood I'm a Christian, I'm out of darkness, I'm in the light, I was lost, I'm now found, I was a sinner, now I'm a saint. I really got that. Kingdom, great divide in between the two, darkness, light, I'm out of one in the other. And I, and I used to believe I cannot identify with those people because I'm not part of them. And there's a truth to that. We're in this world, we're not of the world. But God wants us to have a heart for the people that we are amongst. And the Apostle Paul's heart here was, you know what? I'm prepared to give up what I've found if I can get you lot in. Most amazing statement. Number three, know their fate. Oh man, I really don't want this to be a heavy message today. <laughs> oh, I struggled with this last night. I wanted to end with a shout and a Wow, we're leaving something, but I couldn't get away from what I believe God's put on my heart. Know their fate. Jesus came to take away sin, provide salvation, and bring freedom. As a church, we are all about love and acceptance. We're all about love and acceptance. Come as you are. Come as you are, absolutely. I don't care what you believe or what you don't believe. I don't care what sexuality you are or what you want to invent. I don't care what you do. I re really don't. That's, that's not my concern. My concern is that we are a church of love and acceptance that introduces people to Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. We want the doors open wide for whoever may come. Everybody. The Bible says the normal people receive Jesus gladly. I want the normal people to receive Citygate gladly. That's what I want because we are the person of Jesus Christ in the world today. But we must understand the reality of eternity. We must. It would be heresy to say we accept everything as it is and it's fine if it doesn't change. Why? Because the Bible says there is the, it says sin has consequences. It pays a wage, 
And the Bible says the consequences of sin is death. Now, we don't, we're not a hellfire, damnation, stand up on a Sunday, preach all of that church, but we absolutely believe it. We absolutely believe it. I sat in, oh, I'm really fighting back some stuff here right now. I sat in my office last night and I just wanted to get a fresh glimpse of what eternity is going to be like for people who don't know Jesus. And I didn't have a vision. I didn't have anything like that. No, you know, I'm not trying to make some deep spiritual thing out of this. But, you know, if you ever, you know, dwell on something and you start to get more of a sense of what's going on, you, it, it can affect you. And I'm a pretty emotional guy anyway, but it really started to affect me. And I really challenged, I was really challenged as I sat at my desk. That is that really true? If people don't know Jesus, if they reject salvation, because that's what it is. It's a rejection of what Jesus has done on the cross. It's, I will not have this man reign over me, to, to quote the Bible. I refuse to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Oh, it just doesn't mean anything to me yet. And actually on the inside, there's an arrogance and a pride that says, I will not give up leading my life. I will not give up the authority of my life over to I don't want to receive Jesus as Lord because I want to carry on sinning. I want to enjoy what my flesh is doing. I want to keep on doing whatever it is and I don't want to change. I mean, that's really at the, at the heart of it. Now, we know it's the love of God that leaves people, leads people to repentance. It's not hammering people with eternal consequences. But if we don't understand the eternal consequences... If we don't understand what the result is for people who don't know Jesus Christ, uh, then, then we're not going to live in such a way that we're going to leave the legacy that God wants us to leave. If we're not passionate about this, there are only two things that are possible with our mentality. If we don't live with a passion for seeing people come to Christ, number one, it must either mean we struggle to really believe what we say we believe. We struggle to believe it. I don't think about eternity very much, apart from it's going to be awesome for me. <sighs> but eternity is going to be equally horrific for people who don't know Jesus. Horrific. I read an account of, a scriptural account of what it sort of, I don't want to really talk about it today, actually, if I'm honest. But it's just horrific. And it's for eternity. And as I was, sing, uh, as I was just sitting at my desk yesterday, as I was thinking about this, it started to, I didn't, you know, I almost felt like a sort of a panic attack was coming on. Not that I've ever had one. But that sort of, Man, and I, and I had to close it down because I thought, wow, if I really believe this. Pfft. So either we don't really believe or we struggle to believe. I'm not going to say we don't believe because we do believe. But we struggle to believe and we don't focus on what we really believe. Or the only, other the only other possibility is we don't care what happens to people that go there. It's one or the other. It can't be, it, there, there isn't anything else. Either we don't believe it's actually going to happen or we don't care if you go there. 
That's a challenge. That's a challenge to me. I'm being absolutely open and honest here today. There's always a, a balance. There's always forgiveness in the kingdom of God. But for forgiveness, there must be repentance. God doesn't just forget. God has forgiven everybody. But to receive our forgiveness, there must be repentance. Not just, oh, Jesus, come into my life. There's got to be repentance. That's why every time we pray on a Sunday, God, I turn away from the way I've lived. Because there has to be a turning. When I gave my life to Jesus, there was a turning. I was going in that direction and I turned around. Now that can only be by the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not trying to live a better life. It's not trying to turn over a new leaf. It's a miracle of the Holy Spirit on the inside that puts life on the inside of us. If there's a heaven, there must be a hell. Number four. We need to know their salvation. What do I mean by that? We need to understand what I can cause in somebody else's life. I don't know about you, when I gave my life to Jesus, when it hit home, perhaps you were a child, perhaps it's only just happened to you and you're an adult, and perhaps for you it's more of a journey, perhaps for somebody else it, it was an explosion. It doesn't matter, but the reality of salvation is what we're talking about. It's real. I remember the joy that I'd never experienced before. I remember it. it was I didn't go to bed for three days. I found a Bible. Somebody gave me a good news Bible. Thank goodness it had pictures in it. <laughs> Somebody gave me, I'd never read a Bible in my life, never owned one. No, perhaps I don't, I don't think so. I might have had one as a baby, as a, as a confirmation or something. I have no idea, but I'd never opened one. And I opened this Bible. I couldn't put it down. I sat in the lounge chair. My parents were away for a week on holiday, so we'd had a party, and then different stuff happened, then I got saved, and they were away, and I sat in my lounge for three days. Didn't even go upstairs to bed. I sat in the lounge chair. I can remember it. It was a brown chair. I remember it, and I sat there, and there was empty bottles of all sorts of stuff, and old, old uh, joints, and probably some sulfate on the table over there, and a bag of mushrooms over there, and I'd found the Bible. Man, and I sat there and I read it and I read it and I read it and I read it for three days. I remember that. I remember the joy. I remember the, the forgiveness and the freedom. I remember that there was no more guilt, that there was no more shame, that there was no more regret. I remember it was a new day. It was a new life. We can cause that in other people. If we believe what salvation does, we can give that to somebody else. Now, if you've lost the joy of your salvation, you, then of course you're not going to really want to give anybody because what you got ain't what you want to give. Hello? I say it as it is, you know me. <laughs> but if we know the joy of our salvation, we can give that. You see, what I'm talking about today is not all of us going through personality changes. I'm not talking about us all becoming street preachers. 
I'm not talking about setting goals. Let's all reach one for Jesus this month. It's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying let the reality of what God's done in you pour out into the life of somebody else. Can I have the band up, please? And point number five. So point number one, hear their cry. Point number two, share their pain. Number three, know their fate. Number four, know their salvation. Number five, align my life. Align my life. We've just sung it. If you hadn't noticed, some of this is lining up with what we've just sung. Align my life. What do I mean? Align my life. Isn't it interesting in that, in the huge passage that we read earlier, Matthew chapter 9 through to Matthew chapter 10, it began with the Lord Jesus hearing the cry. He saw their, he saw the sheep without a shepherd. He heard their cry. He shared their pain. He could see where they were at. And he said the answer was what? Pray. Pray the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers. If we're going to align our lives as a church, and I think we're pretty aligned, but I just think this is the heartbeat of of Citygate Church for this next season. You know, we talk a lot about seasons, but we've been talking as as a core team for months now, months. What is it all about now for Citygate Church? It's this, the salvation of lost people. It's what it's all about what it's all about if we're going to align our lives what's the first thing we've got to do is pray pray that the Lord will send out laborers into the harvest field pray that the Lord will do a work but isn't it interesting that within three verses the answer to the prayer was the very people who prayed the prayer you need to pray that God sends laborers out. So they went back into the, they were praying, oh, Father, send out laborers. Jesus said, send out, we're to pray. So we're praying, Father, send out laborers, send out laborers, send out laborers. You know what you pray for is what you start to become. Oh, God, meet the needs of the world. Well, as we pray that, God starts to work in us that we're the ones who meet the needs. Oh, God, I want to, Lord God, feed the hungry. God, feed the hungry. Feed that the more we pray it, the more we become the answer. Build the church, God. Oh, God, build the church. Build the church. And all of a sudden, we become the ones who serve and who work and who give our lives. And build. Oh, God, more glory. God, we want more glory in the church. And we become the ones who worship better and who press into the presence of God and who carry the glory of God. We become the very answer to the prayer we're praying. We become the very answer. Jesus called them to himself and said, now you guys are going into the harvest field. We were praying God send somebody. Yeah, and you're the very ones we're sending. (laughs) And what did he send them to do? Heal, deliver, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely you are to give. What did they pray? What do I believe God wants us to pray? How about a prayer like this? God, I want to know your heart. I want to know your heart. I want to hear the cry. I want to share the pain. I want to align my life. 
I want to know their fate. We got to pray. What else we got to do? We got to speak. What do I mean? Have a conversation. Have a conversation with somebody. Have a conversation. Speak to somebody. Sometimes we make it so difficult. We did, we've done a course a couple of times as a church, a number of years ago now, so probably most of us wouldn't have done the course. Now it's called Just Walk Across the Room. And it comes from just walk across the room in a party to the one who's standing on their own. No one talking to, perhaps one's a little bit strange, perhaps it's the one you don't get on with at work, or perhaps it's the neighbor that you've never talked to, and just say, hey, how's it going? And don't throw a scripture at them, just make conversation. And form a relationship. The greatest evangelism in our generation right now is relational. Ah, oh, Pastor Joe, we're going to be doing a tent crusade. No, we're not. We will get down the streets with placards saying, Turn a burn. <laughs> no, we're not. And if you do, please go join another church. Okay? Serious. That is not us. <laughs> don't give out your chick tracks all about the demons being cast out of people. No, don't do any of that. Just offer hope in a hopeless world. Say, I understand. When somebody's, I was, I had Sky News on yesterday. You know, we had Sky on in the day. And um, up came this guy, I won't say his name. Up came this guy being interviewed about stuff. And I went, I went to school with him. I haven't seen you for 38 years. I've just bang, straight up. So I thought, I'm going to find you on Facebook. Bang, straight to Facebook, found him. Easy. Pinged him a message. Hey, so I got, uh, you know, hey, Brian, just seen you on, this, I said, this is a blast from the past, just seen you on Sky News, being talked to about some techie stuff and about commenting for the nation. I mean, pretty big stuff. He's the chairman of something and big publications and stuff. And he really made himself. And, and so, he, so he came straight back. Hey, what a blast from the past. And blah, blah, blah. I remember you, you had more hair then. It's like, what is it about this? <laughs> Seriously, he said, I remember you with long hair and you were a pretty awesome drummer, is what he said. And it's like, yeah, I was. Anyway, so, um, not anymore. Dear God, can I even hold a flipping stick anymore? But anyway, there we go. Um, and so we just got talking. And so I said about my, you know, about Sharon and the three boys and what they're doing. And he said, sadly, my wife passed away two years ago from cancer after 28 years of marriage. <clears throat> And even across Facebook, you can share in someone's pain. Just send him a little thing saying, oh, that must have been absolutely devastating. I can't imagine what you've been through. Conversation going backwards and forwards. He said, I've just been to your profile and I've just been to your church site. He said, looks like you're doing some pretty amazing stuff. So I said, oh, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't hammer him just like, oh, well, you know what? You just do what you do, don't you? And just, you know, want to influence the world. And it's like, whole new conversation. I'm not saying that's going to go into some, you know, huge deep relationship, but the opportunities are endless. Opportunities are endless. Whether it's a Costa barista, whether it's someone you see on Sky News, 
Let's break the sound barrier and say something. What else we got to do? We got to act. We want to be Jesus's hands and feet in the world today. Offer acts of compassion. Go the second mile. Forgive somebody. He who's forgiven much loves much and forgives other people much. And let's be those who bring, who bring. Every time somebody had an encounter, well, not every time, but pretty much it, it, it was the character. Every time there was an encounter with God that somebody had, you know what they did? They went back and said, come and see a man. Come and see a man. I want you to experience what I've experienced. Man, this is amazing, is it for real? Come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. You know, Philip and Nathaniel, come, come, I've found somebody. Something so impacted my life that I can't keep it quiet. Come and see, don't invite, bring. Don't just invite, bring. Bring to young adults group on a Friday night, a dessert or a Saturday night dessert bar. Bring, bring to a small group. Ah, but our small group is just for Christians only. Yeah, so we're the ones keeping the world out, are we? Come on, let's bring. Let's break the sound barrier. Let's do something about turning our world upside down. Let's all stand to our feet, shall we?